0: Welcome to another edition of the UK Law Weekly podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Cardtronics UK Limited and Sykes. The citation for this case is 2020 UKSC 21. And this week we have a fascinating look into the exciting world of ATMs, and in particular the ATMs that are found at supermarkets. The question is about how the liability for business rates is worked out and to this end there are four different types of atm that are identified firstly the atms that are on the external walls of the supermarkets but are chained to the floor of the cash room of the stores and are also hooked up to the store's electricity supply because of the location of these atms they are available 24 hours a day even if the shop is shut on the other hand the second type of atm internal atms Are only accessible during the opening hours of the store, but are otherwise the same as external ATMs in terms of their setup. The third type are external ATMs at convenience stores. Again, these are almost identical to the other external ATMs, but are distinguished because of the smaller size of the convenience store, which means that running the ATM causes a greater interference with the running of the shop in general. Finally, we have movable ATMs that are simply chained to the floor, and can be moved around with relatively little difficulty. The main reason we are not just lumping these all together as ATMs in general is because the valuation officers, and now the courts, are trying to work out whether the machines are separate hereditaments from the stores. Hereditament is a bit of an archaic legal term that those of you who have studied land law might have already come across previously. In basic terms, it is really just an item of property, but the full definition here comes from section 115, subsection 1 of the General Rate Act 1967, which describes a hereditament as, quote, property which is or may become liable to a rate, being a unit of such property which is, or would fall to be, shown as a separate item on the valuation list, end quote. That is fine but it doesn't tell us a great deal about this particular situation. For that we need to look at the Valuation for Rating of Plant and Machinery England regulations from the year 2000, which tell us that an ATM should be assumed to not have any effect on the rateable value of the hereditament on which it is situated. That is basically what the stores were arguing, but the Valuation Tribunal found that the ATMs were actually situated on a hereditament that was rateably occupied separately from the host supermarkets. The Upper Tribunal overturned this for all of the types of ATMs, except for that last category we mentioned, the movable ATMs. The Court of Appeal then took this a step further and found that none of the ATMs were ratably occupied separately from the host supermarkets. As the lower courts handed out judgments that reached right across the spectrum, it was up to the Supreme Court to make a final decision, and that is where we picked the case up. Lord Carnworth gave the lead judgement here and noted that there are two related questions that we are dealing with. The first one is whether the ATMs can be identified as separate hereditaments, and the second is whether the supermarkets are in ratable occupation of the ATMs. To answer the first question we can start with those regulations from the year 2000 that we mentioned earlier, and the presumption that ATMs do not have any effect on the ratable value of the hereditament. However, it is important that we don't fall into the trap here of assuming that just because there is no effect on the value, that this necessarily means that the regulations are making comment on whether the ATMs are actually hereditaments in the first place. To answer that question, we have to turn to the case law, and this defines a hereditament as a self-contained piece of property. Given how we discussed the setup of ATMs at supermarkets at the start of this episode, can we say that they meet this definition? For Lord Carnworth the answer was yes because it was pretty easy to delineate the boundaries of ATMs and that so they satisfy that characteristic of self-containment. The only exception were the movable ATMs which, while self-contained, were not permanent enough to be a hereditament. Moving on and the second question is the one that really gets to the heart of this appeal. Was it the retailers who were in rateable occupation, as was being argued, or was it in fact the banks? The judgement addresses this by noting a useful analogy. We can think of a house as a single hereditament that might have an owner, but also someone who is a lodger. The lodger is allowed to make use of the house, and this is even facilitated by the landlord. But this doesn't change the fact that as a hereditament, it is the landlord who is considered to be the occupier. It is a similar situation here. The banks make use of the hereditament and even derive an advantage from the ATMs being placed and available at the supermarkets, but it is a mutually beneficial relationship where the supermarkets also further their interests by ATMs being available to customers. For the Supreme Court, this was enough to decide that the ATMs are indeed in rateable occupation of the retailers, and this holds true whether they are internal or external. Overall, I think this decision makes sense and the comparison with the lodger is particularly helpful. We are dealing with a mutually beneficial relationship, and it is important to remember that it is one that helps members of the public as well. Although we might be increasingly moving to a cashless society, a lot of people still use ATMs, and might even rely on the ATMs at their local supermarket if they find it hard to get to a bank. If this decision had gone the other way, then a number of smaller shops might have had to seriously review the value of having ATMs situated on their premises, and that would have been a shame. Furthermore, the judgement could have impacted on the maintenance of ATMs at other locations as well, such as pubs and railway stations. In the end, the argument from the valuation officers did have some merit, but just did not make practical sense in terms of the application of the law. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast episode, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. I'll be back as ever with another case next week, but until then, Bye. bye!